Obsession. It can be a mark of intensity, of passion's glinting arrow. But that same arrow can be tipped with poison. Lydia, a gored bullfighter, and Alicia, a comatose ballerina. Two women who, for much of this film, are mute, unresponsive, confined, senseless to their hospital beds. These girlfriends in a coma are seen only through flashbacks and the adoring and infatuated gaze of the men who, on the surface, care for them. Marco, a world-weary and lovesick journalist breaking constantly into softly falling tears. And Beningo, an incel mama's boy with a fixation on fascination. What is love when love is unreturned or rejected? And when does adoration trespass and stumble into the territory of the malign? Real humber humber hours over here. For Pedro Almodovar, kingpin of Iberian cinematic quandaries, there are no easy answers. Bullfighting, ballet, writing, caring, loving, none of these things seem healthy. All lead to a moment of crisis on this thorny field of crisscrossing paths. Fate the sucking pull of inevitability, the power of the predetermined. As the film accelerates towards its honestly quite shocking but maybe obvious conclusion, Marco, horrified, rejected, wounded, Benigo, unrepentant, villainous, sympathetic, we realise that this world of bright lights and gaudy colours, the warm reds and burnt oranges so familiar to Almodovar, was strewn with sadness and the horror of being alone this is MoobTube a podcast to own and Ralph talk about a film they've seen on Mubi because somebody has to Ralph did talk to her leave you comatose talk to her was a very intense experience I think I think obsession is a, is a theme in cinema Vertigo, um, Rear Window, a lot of classic cinema films are about looking and... Um, the unreturned and look. The unreturned look yeah. and, yeah, voyeurism. And that's something that cinema does uniquely well, I think. Um, yeah, I guess the first thing to say about this film is that there's a mixture of of luscious beauty and deep discomfort. And I mm. think that the two power each other in in an extraordinary way um the more beautiful the experience the more Mm. disturbing it is and the more you're brought in and i think this is an important thing uh to bring in maybe even in relation to the way we were talking about showgirls that like you can really like force your audience into a position of uh into 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 a cul-de-sac of um of their own uh, insecurities. Let me put it another way. Benigno and Marco are in the car, uh, in the middle of, in the sort of midway point of the film, and Benigno has just said, uh, "I want to, ma- I want to, I want to get married." And mm. Marco says, "To who?" And he says, "To Alicia." Yeah. Now Alicia is a comatose yeah. patient who met Benigno very briefly, but. Um, uh, they, you know, he was sort of he was basically stalking her, and then yeah. she uh, became ill, and he was a nurse at the 
comatose ward and he cares for her you know he's like one of the main nurses to care for her this is wiping her bum cleaning her filing her nails um and reading stories to her and telling her all about his life he really finds a kind Mm. of one-way companionship with her and he says he wants to marry her and marco uh quite understandably says what the hell are you talking about are you talking about he she she can't consent to any of this there's no way you could marry someone um in that state and um and with the response from Benigno is well you like her too don't you yeah because he catches Marco yeah because he there's at various points where um Benigno is 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 like doing his his ritual of bathing in her and he often leaves her naked on the bed which presumably is not standard uh, medical practice um like breasts exposed everything um and Marco it's voyeuristic as well he ogles her he looks at her he sits down next to her when she's got her like she's naked on the bed right so there's these moments where he's he's caught in in this gaze as well he's wrapped up in this this similar uh uh kind of voyeurism that Benino is is part of is orchestrating almost like Benino is orchestrating it yeah I mean but Benino is kind of kind like I think Marco begins wondering why the hell Benigno behaves the way he does you know he doesn't buy this film's called talk to her and Mm. Benigno encourages uh, Marco to talk to Lydia his girlfriend his girlfriend who's who's in a coma Uh, I know it's serious (laughs) Um, (laughs) that was my uh, girlfriend I know I saw that very well Um, and um, and he's like no I don't want to talk to her I can barely touch her I don't want to this is alienating for me and then, yeah, he goes from wondering why Benigno is the way he is to wondering why wondering why he isn't the way Benigno is. Benigno's mm. approach suddenly kind of takes center stage. Yeah, um, where, where Marco drifts away from, for various reasons we can explore, he drifts away from Lydia. Um, yeah. He's horrified at the thought of touching her body of caring for her and it's literally replaced um uh, in very short quick fashion by Lydia's ex-boyfriend who who um who's another bullfighter and we sort of quickly understand that um uh Lydia was already planning to um end her relationship with Marco before um before just before her accident mm-hmm. Um, and he discovers this from the boyfriend. Obviously, there's a an element of uh, suspending disbelief there, or about he, but he seems very willing to accept this boyfriend's narrative, right? Yeah. The guy says, actually, uh, he talks for Lydia. He says, well, Lydia was planning on ending it with you, and Marco's like, oh, okay, and then just leaves. Um, he doesn't challenge or question that because you know it, it's it's an abnormality because. Benigno and Marco are kind of set up from the very beginning as as mirrors of each other in a way. Mm. If we remember at the beginning of the film, it opens with a Pino Bausch uh, piece of contemporary dance. Both Benigno and Marco are in the audience next to each other. Um, So there's this point where they're literally... By pure chance, they don't know each other at this point. Yeah, by pure chance. um, The camera kind of lingers on both their faces. Marco cries the first time of many when tears rolled on his face. Um, And from that point on they kind of pursue these these divergent but forking paths 
um, which are set up like kind of mirrors of each other, even though they cross each other again and again. Uh, it's not like Almodovar's giving us this dumb narrative, as it were, where it's like Medino does one thing and Marco does the complete opposite. They're kind of weird mirrors of each other. Like it's yeah. almost like a mise en abîme where they're kind of reflecting infinitely back into each other. Um, you know, where, yeah, like you said, where Benino is is extremely intimately involved with with Alicia's body. Um, Marco is not, can't bring himself to touch her, but he does gaze upon, you know, Alicia's body. Um, he makes an attempt at caring for Lydia, but he seems actually more drawn to Benino, kind of fascinated by Benino, right? Yeah, there's a sort of well, Benigno, Benigno's alive, I guess, which helps. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but Often, um, yeah. but yeah, there's like um, well, I, I want to yeah, I want to talk a little bit about sexual tension and sexuality. Um, mm. The very first scene, Benigno, who I'm going to be quite crude here and say Benigno seems pretty gay, like he's got a gay vibe. He's quite right. camp. He's sort of quite like he's got a slightly feminine appearance. Um, and his sexuality is questioned. And his sexuality It's is a subject of discussion throughout the film as well. Yeah. So it's, yeah and at the beginning there. of the film, he he sort of looks towards this sort of handsome, balding, testosterone-heavy man who's in a moment of vulnerability, tears streaming down his face during the, uh, the Pina Bausch performance. Mm. And later on, he mentions the guy next to him being very handsome. And he kind of operates in this female-only... Uh, workplace where he's kind of accepted as not a threat because mm. he reads as a gay man. Now, yep. there's a moment where, a very, I mean, a, evidence of the immensely tight script, there's a moment where uh, a family, the, the father of, of the um, uh, of, of the comatose Alicia visits and brings up a session that he had with Benigno He's like a psychiatrist. He's a psychiatrist. Father, yeah. Yeah. Important, important, important <laughs> session. A sesh. Important, yeah. uh, <laughs> important detail there. He's, just like, he's a psychotherapist, an analyst, whatever. And um, then later on, we see when we when we see the full extent of um, Benigno's stalking of Alicia, we yeah. see that um, he, in order to kind of stalk her, he kind of he has therapy. He had genuine therapy sessions with her father, mm. where his sexuality was, and 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 and. Uh, Alyssa's father quite justifiably kind of wants to ascertain his sexuality a bit because obviously this man is touching her, his daughter. Yeah. When he walks day. into the hospital room, yeah. uh, Benino's there massaging her upper thigh. Exactly. Um, and that's that's what the camera lingers on before the father says this question. I just think it's something I've not seen do- shown much in film, which is like the way in which men assumptions are made about men's sexual desires and Mm. that sort of shapes how they manifest their sexual desires and i would say like kind of what's unusual about this film is it's a film about someone a man whose heterosexuality not his homosexuality is repressed by outside Mm. forces um the level of like desire that benigno has for alicia and the kind of desire to kind of conquer and dominate and you know the way the way mm. he kind of you know i mean he, he's um he's at least a bit straight you know <laughs> yeah and yeah I mean, that's he... sort of that's repressed and it becomes and by being repressed it becomes very violent 
but because mm. of the position this kind of very safe zone that he o- operates where he can kind of massage his own fantasies and her thighs um yeah sorry that sounded quite quite grim <laughs> yeah <laughs> but, like, but it's true it's a true like thing that happens in this film because he you, you know he has that um as it were a free pass as a medical professional or whatever yeah to come into contact with her body constantly and, and violate her. But the, the line between violation and care is what he crosses. It's this ethical, yeah. um, this this obviously stark ethical boundary that he crosses. Um, but where was that line before? Because I feel like mm. he was he was assaulting her in a certain kind of way. Was, I think he always was. Yeah, yeah, he was always, there was always a form of intentions. Like, yeah. He, he, he almost manipulated himself into this position. Yeah. He, he trained to be a nurse and it's, it's unclear. Okay. So some, some context that is that Benino lives opposite the dance studio where Alicia trains. So he, in a true rear window style, he can literally see her training and often stands. We get the impression he's standing there a lot. Mm. watching her watching her it's a small world in this film there are a lot of like coincidences Mm. that make the plot run much smoother than it might otherwise yeah (laughs) (laughs) but he's yeah so he's watching her i'm fine with that yeah he's he's caring for his mother um his father's absent um he's been caring for his mother his whole life right yeah it's Mm -hmm. this classic yeah psycho vibe um he he's been caring for his mother in like the spanish equivalent of the Bates motel um and he's uh it's when he talks to the psychiatrist the psychiatrist asking kind of establishing questions about his upbringing and his life and he's like i you know um we find out he's a virgin um he's we understand he's like 20 21 probably um at that time um he was caring for his mother it's unclear what his mother's needs were now when benino describes it he says oh my mother wasn't ill she wasn't disabled she was just lazy um so it's unclear whether kind of Benino was kind of foisting this kind of unwanted care on a mother who's absent during this film. We don't, we never meet her. We never see her. She dies. Um, and at that point he transfers his fixations onto somebody else. Um, the categories there, if you pick that up. Um, so he transfers his fixation. And there's this interesting thing about Benino as this like roving force of obsession because he has this obsession with his mother, it transfers to Alicia when um, uh, when his mother dies, dies or is killed. I don't know. There's 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 always this like undercurrent that he might be involved in Couldn't other ways. She, yeah, killed, I but. did wonder though because you know maybe he saw that now's time to move on and his mother would have got in the way. When we learn about, we don't under- We see Lydia's injury in very graphic, stunning. Mm technicolor you know almost well, she's like a, she's a star you know she's a celebrity yeah she's at the yeah. and it's almost inevitable right i think this is like re, like roger ebert's review is quite good because he points out how like the whole setup of that bullfighting scene it, 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 you know she's going to get hit like we know she's in a coma anyway this is a flashback but we everything about that scene is like a, a triumphant death um and she you know kneels down on the ground and the bull like the bull comes out and just gores her straight away mm. um and so Almodovar spends a lot of time giving us the physical reality of this this wounding and this goring but for like Alicia we don't get it It, we only see it through um, uh, Beningo's description where he's like oh it was raining there was a car accident Mm. it's like hmm what 
is that a, you know it, uh, in my head I might it might be bullshit but I was like you know did he push her in the road did he drive the car there's almost just like because but oh, I don't we, think we of, I don't think he's that mm. much of a well I mean yeah yeah he, no he is a psycho <laughs> but do you know what I mean like I think that the ambiguity is there I, th- I don't give me think, that yeah the ambiguity is there I didn't that kind of spit passed me by actually but um but yeah I guess so yeah the I don't think it's giving very much away to say that mm. um eventually uh, Benigno rapes and impregnates uh, Alicia and this is shown through a silent film about a man who a, a lab scientist who drinks a potion that has the side effect of making him very small and when his partner is asleep he's ex- he, and when he's become very small because of this potion he climbs inside her vagina um and this yeah this this he recounts this having got she's a big fan of silent films he he learns Mm. through stalking her um and he goes to see silent films specifically so that he can go to the hospital at work and tell her all about her about them yeah and he tells her about this one we see the short film itself um and then we just cut to various scenes where she's not having her period. She's her breasts are swollen, her stomach's swollen. It's slowly the pieces kind of yeah. um, get picked up, right? And he he at first, like you said before, he's um, he kind of falls. He's not immediately under suspicion for the same reasons that his his claimed um, asserted homosexuality stops, like him being a you know a suspect for kind of being attracted to Alicia it also from while gets him off the hook as it were um until there's a confrontation between the doctors um and one of the other nurses recounts the conversation Benino had had in the car park with Marco which is what you referred to earlier you know and he's like I want to marry Alicia yeah um so if it were not for that conversation being overheard there's almost a suspicion that Benino kind of would have avoided maybe for a while avoided uh, recrimination yeah although he he is the he is the prime suspect from that point on everything is seen through sort of consequences and i think it's mm. really important that uh as disgusting as benigno's actions are like it's very important that his that these kind of fantasies and desires are taken to their logical conclusion and then he faces the kind of institutional consequences of them and mm. you see the way in which all these people who were kind of happily walking by and allowing him to be a little bit eccentric are now mm. um having to handle him and he's become yeah. he's but he becomes like a child in it at this point he becomes very um uh very passive and kind of helpless yeah because he's yeah, yeah. He's ta- he's put in a prison, which we're led to believe is a psychiatric prison. Yeah, um, because the when Marco goes to finds out he's in prison because Marco disappears after uh, Lydia, Lydia's boyfriend turns up and says she was going to leave you. He goes traveling, mm. so he smart he's in move. Jordan. Yeah, smart just, move. Yeah, yeah just always move on. You know, try and think. Eat, pray, else. love. Um, wow, well, not like that. <laughs> <laughs> um, he's a travel guy though he writes these he's guys he's a travel writer 
Yeah. So he goes, he finds out um, through a nurse who is sympathetic to Benigo that he Benigo's in prison. He goes to visit him in prison. Um, and it's kind of like a minimum security vibe. Uh, and the uh, woman on the reception desk kind of re- corrects him that they're not inmates. They're, what did she call them? Lodgers Inter- is what the subtitle Lodge- said. Oh, ah, yeah. weird. The word My- was intern. In the intern. Spanish word was internos or something. Internos, yeah. So, that so she's very insistent Like they're working on a magazine or something. Yeah, so I thought. <laughs> the ultimate punishment. Copy editing. In, uh, yeah. That's what happens when you fucking. You become a social media manager if you uh, commit crimes. <laughs> um, but the this you know, he's he's kind of incarcerated. Um, there's a we'll talk about the kind of denouement in a bit probably because there's this kind of Romeo and Juliet uh, spin right to the narrative almost like the the last minute kind of. But Benigo commits suicide unaware that um, uh, Alicia survives the pregnancy and is, comes out of a coma. Um, and Benigno and is like attempting to get into a coma. He's, I think he takes more drugs than he intends to. Mm, he ODs. Because he says, you know, come and visit me when I'm all vegetable you know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it reminds me that the Alicia's um, uh, tutor comes and visit her and calls her beautiful potato. Oh, it's fucking sweet. hell! It's so yeah. painful for all these people. It is really painful, and so it's many just like people the in this film are going through like intense pain. I really just mm. like I. I mean, I just want to shout out to like how accepting and compassionate Almodovar is, yeah, and how he manages to avoid um, demonizing like anyone, in anyone. An way. And I do yeah. think that's important. I think that's like really important to defend. Like, if we're ever to understand the ills of society we must mm. like this like look at them with like you know with with sharp focus i think this is it he he shows that um evil things happen in the world disgusting acts happen and they don't happen through the machinations of comic book villains they happen through people who are reasonable and charming and acceptable and and human and that's the greater tragedy and who are hurt in a way as well yeah, her, it's yeah. This is a world of pain, you know. You might call call the whole film um, with a nod to Almodovar's new film, Pain and Glory. Um, mm. But it is a world of pain where everyone is hurting. You know, one thing that Marco's tears. So Marco cries a lot in this film. Mm. Um, he cries, and it's it's quite beautiful that he he's accepting of his tears. He doesn't brush them away. He lets them kind of roll down his cheeks. Um, he cries at the theatre at the beginning he cries when he hears, hears like a classic musician singing uh, a party he cries after he kills a snake um, uh, saves rescues Lydia who you know sort of ironically is is, is br- brave and proud before a goring bull but terrified of snakes um, and he cries all these instances and he, he, he confides later to Lydia that these tears are because each these are moments he wanted to share with his his ex um who he's no longer with and he's mourning a relationship that's passed um quite so a troubled one it's quite a troubled relationship right and it's like he's everyone in this film is mourning lydia is mourning for her ex-boyfriend so there's a moment which is really interesting about how the public treats um stories of private trauma mm. because lydia goes on television because she's a celebrity in spain um and is interviewed in this kind of talk showy, kind of trashy talk show program. Um, and the presenter is weirdly 
invasive she keeps asking about her relationship with this this ex um who's mm. another bullfighter and lydia says you know she stands her ground and says like you know i said i wasn't going to talk about this i don't want to talk about this and the presenter keeps pushing and insisting to the point where she grabs lydia and pulls her down again and again Oof. onto the sofa it's an intensely like brutal invasive weird thing to watch yeah and she says um, like you're oppressed like you need to speak out mm, about your oppression which i thought was yeah. quite I thought that like that amazing like projection of narrative it really sort of foreshadows yeah. this kind of objectification and instrumentalization that happens to the women and also it's all bookended with the Pina Bausch and Pina Bausch mm. is like the queen of like heterosexual pain mm. and like w- w- like women's bodies being thrown around by men and men's bodies feeling useless and like all these kind of yeah because that's the thing that the initial that initial with. piece that we see from Pina Bausch is uh two two blind women uh in a room who are stumbling around uh kind of knocking into chairs whilst mm. a man tries to remove the chairs from their path and it's this kind of futile cyclical thing which kind of alludes to what will happen later which is both Marco and, and Benigo in their own way, you know, removing moving the chairs for these women, but their in pain leads them to do it in to either not be up to the task or to do great violence and and, and damage through that act, showing that the act of care is kind of poisoned by trauma. Um, you know, how can you care and, and love in a world which is like full of hurt? basically it's like it's a really like sad film in that sense it's so sad it reminds yeah. me of that book by goethe the stories of young werther stories of young werther yeah. have you read it Goethe? a long time ago Werther's a long original. time ago <laughs> <laughs> it's, um, i was there i uh i was there after he, he emailed it to me <laughs> a long time ago in the 17 yeah. late 1700s yeah um, very controversial I got book the, because I got of the course galleys. people there were quite a few copycat suicides after that book mm. um, yeah because it was so prof- it so profoundly expressed mm. the pain that a man can experience lusting yeah. love, like desiring falling in love with mm. mani- like having yeah. a kind of mania is that, that yes, phrase yeah. on, on Twitter you know um, having a crush is basically being in a committed relationship with your own mania um <laughs> <laughs> and I think that that yeah. um, rings very true in it's, this film and in it's Roland Barthes, a lot of isn't literature. It? Uh, you know, it's Roland Barthes' uh, lovers' discourse because right. there it's that you know, obsessional love is is an act of destruction, and the the act of obsession and love is is an obsession with the mirror or the image of yourself. Uh, it has nothing nothing to do with the person Shit. that you love it's nothing to do with the yeah it's nothing to do with the uh the subject it's everything to do with the the person it's everything to do with the the, the one who loves um yeah and it's it's interesting because it's the same thing that happened to like it's that classic story about mayakovsky russian uh poet 20s poet who when everyone in like russia during the 20s was like getting down and freaky in, in like polyamorous relationships and experimental living situations. Um, uh, he was in like a, a polyamorous relationship, a kind of three-way relationship with a man and another woman. Um, and this relationship tore him apart. So he committed suicide in sort of 1929, I think, or 28. Polyamory, um, don't try it at home, kids. Don't try it, here's a warning. <laughs> and he left his suicide note, it was like uh, quite short and had an exclamation point actually, which is uh, the ship of, 
life has crush, crashed upon the rocks of love. Um, and it's this very melodramatic, fucking hell, beautiful, man. succinct That's a bit thing. Too much. <laughs> yeah, it's too much, right? He was too much, though, uh, being about seven foot and bald. Um, but yeah, this is it. This, this film is about obsession and destruction and, and, and trauma, really, and how those things condition our ability to act well in the world. You know, it's, it's uh, that Philip Larkin poem, isn't it? You know, sort of, mum and dad are fucked up and they pass it down you're fucked up too whatever the words are I can't remember but yeah. shit he likens it to a shelving the shelves of an ocean you know shit just passes down and down and down um, yeah I mean I, I you know I'm, I'm, well, I'm being too cynical I'm a bit more optimistic than that but <laughs> I don't know things just kind of are aren't they and I yeah it's that was a very The Wire it is what it is. <laughs> it is the what it is. The streets of the streets. The yeah, streets I mean, you streets. can't... I yeah. don't think... You, you know, I don't... This is... I mean, we're going a bit general now, but, like, <laughs> I don't think it's... I don't... I'm not fond of dwelling on... On kind of... On longing, I suppose. But, like, films like this really just... They do hit home in a certain way. Like, I think it's... Mm. I think it's... I don't know how to say this, like, in a way that would... That, that works in the contemporary way we talk about the world but like men watch this film and they go fuck I really hope I'm not that guy mm, yeah right they must do I do yeah I watch it I'm just it's- like fuck this is terrifying and I recognise like I recognise and it's the society we live in like you know like desire when it comes from a guy is like is like um because of I guess the privilege and the power we have it's like it does mm. it can it can take on an obsessional quality in yeah. a more I mean girls stalk guys as well and it, it it can be equally terrifying but yeah um but yeah like I But just, no you're right you're right the context you just I as a guy you look at it and you're like as a straight guy and it's just like yeah like fuck like you know and the the power and the and the responsibility he has and the way that he can't really mm. it's all it's all too late it's all inevitable it's all coming down the tracks he yeah. has to do this and i mean that in a very like it's it's just like it's just it's 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 teed up like the whole thing is yeah. like it's like predetermined it's, almost the, just the way he looks yeah. at her and in, in the mm. as soon as he's already kind of done the act he's already I don't know there's there's a thing with looking and, and rape and violence there's a through line there which is what makes this whole th- I'm not articulating it very well I'm probably saying stuff I don't know. no mean, no you but are like, like there's like a through well, line there between which is very cinematic between like looking and desiring and objectifying and abusing and and yeah and I guess it, fundamentally it comes down to the fact that she has no has literally no agency no see for the vast yeah. majority of the she film. is comatose even when she's she not comatose she's kind of like mm. oh what's that oh weird mm. and she's still in that <laughs> sense because of Benigo's trauma and 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 because of his obsession kind of controlling him authoring him he's unable to see that she is powerless you know she sees her as like a flat mirror a flat lake or something and it's it's strange because you know she she doesn't even reject him that's not even what's happening here because she doesn't even have the agency to reject mm. this is his entirely monovocal this thing 
Um, but Marco, interestingly, has a, like an extraordinary dignity, especially at the start. Mm. You know, he he like you say, like he cries with with ease, and he's very respectful, and he's very sort of yeah. honest about his emotions. And there's something really admirable and dignified about him. And yet, he's not yeah. he's not immune to the obsessional no. tendency. Like that, that I thought was conveyed conveyed really yeah. well. Yeah, because I think I think in a way, you know, I know I talked about sort of comic book villains, but. Benigno is is more obviously the the um, slightly more two dimensional than Marco, and that's intentional because he is a monster, and he in these ways, and he he does he's lacking in emotional empathy, he's lacking boundaries, he's you know what you might call in some ways, and I use this term extremely loosely, but just as it, well, I won't even use the term. He's he's just socially ill-adjusted because he's lived a very sheltered life. Were you going to say narcissist? Narcissist, possibly. I was going to say narcissist. Yeah. Because he is looking into the pool of his I own think, reflection, yeah, right? I think he is. And, he's, and he falls in and yeah. drowns and he damages people along the way. And like I said earlier, he he is this roving... Uh, he's filling his own void, right, with other people. He's, he fills the void of his mother, cares for... Like, we kind of understand probably, possibly unnecessarily, perhaps. Um, he obsesses with Alicia... And like you said, he goes to the silent movies and watches the films she would have watched. He has he has no interest of his own beyond the person he's obsessed with. He's consumed by his obsession. He tells her the things she wants to hear. Um, and then after he goes to prison, his obsession shifts again to Marco. Uh, he reads. He, he tells Marco he reads all of Marco's books, and he says it's almost like being there with you. Um, and he suddenly starts showing this intense obsession with Marco as well. So he's constantly filling himself with other people. And the kind of mm-hmm. un, the non-disclosed thing or thing we haven't talked about here is loneliness. Yeah. Because it's a deeply lonely film. Um, there are no scenes here, you know, where we looked at the commune last week when there's lots of like fractured and uh, kind of socially broken hanging out, but there's people having dinner together and having a good time here. Everyone seems to be completely on their own even when they're talking to other people. Mm-hmm. Um, no no better scene than when we see the balcony shot where it's Alicia and Lydia put next to each other, you know, uh, with their sunglasses on and the blankets over them. Uh, they're literally sitting together, you know, not talking, nobody's talking in this film, which is ironic because the title obviously is Talk to Her. Nobody's fucking talking, nobody's listening. Um, and it's, yeah, so he is filling himself with other people. Marco is is has avoided him as well which is his past his failed relationship which is you know interesting he accepts the with great dignity he accepts um you know that Lydia has moved on he kind of respects her wishes even when she's unconscious which you know kind of going back on what I said earlier maybe maybe that was the more dignified thing he didn't say wait a minute he's emotionally sensitive enough to know that he's kind of picked up the clues maybe from their relationship yeah Um, and also he's protecting himself from what he can clearly mm. see is happening with Benigno. Yeah, yeah. You know, very if much. you do, if you do begin that conversation with a, with a vegetable, someone that can't mm. respond, then, um, then you you you're consigning yourself to this to this pool this pool of of indu- of like it just it 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 does him no good. Yeah, he he. You know, Benino trips trips into this pool and drowns effectively, and and you know, yeah. he Marco kind of saves himself from that. But it's interesting. How did you take the end? Because there's a sense in which Marco kind of steps into the life of Benino slightly. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, talk about um, that because I'm. It's yeah. After after Marco kills himself. Well, it's, sorry. It after Benito like, kills himself. Yeah, yeah. 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 So Marco, a thingy. Yeah. So thingy. Alicia, she can't see. She doesn't know what Marco knows, and so Marco has this. He's seen. He. I mean, she knows. I think she knows that she was raped and impregnated, but yeah. by this person who's now in prison, but. Um, she doesn't know that Marco was privy to all that story. Doesn't she? Doesn't know who Marco is. Mm. Um, and they exchange glances, and she seems like maybe attracted to him. And yeah. so there's this the sexual tension, and then there's a very kind of cheeky uh, title card that comes up saying uh, Marco and Alicia. Marco and Alicia. Whereas before we had a title card saying um, Benigno and and Alicia. I just think it's kind of, you know, it's tying the film up nicely. Um, it didn't make me... It made me, I guess, concerned. Do you think so? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> because I think, like, yeah. that's probably not going to work out very well. No. You know, in, always or in films it, where you have patterns, you think about the mm, kind of Freudian compulsion to repeat, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't like... I just sort of felt that's neat and that kind yeah. of... Yeah, because he, he, he moves into Marco's apartment and starts yeah, watching... Yeah, I mean, that's, uh, that baits it out a bit, doesn't it? He's in yeah, it does. It's kind of quite obvious. Or he's, like, taking on this caring role, maybe. Um, I think he wants to do right. I think that's the, yeah, the really sort of terrifying yeah. vert, like, Vertigo Hitchcock vibe of it all, is that, like, he's seen what's happened and he thinks that by seeing what's happened, he can maybe... By witnessing... Uh, yeah, by witnessing, he thinks that he can maybe do it right. And he's like, yeah. he's in a better position to do it right because he's like not got all those mummy issues. And he's like, mm. um, uh, and he's like uh, more handsome and more emotionally intelligent. <laughs> but yeah, like, but true. Like, but like, and maybe he will. But there's just the film doesn't give you the best indication. No, a lot of our dangles it in front of you. He's yeah, like, mm, it's just, it's this is weird. It's just a cheeky thing, and, and whatever is. you know, this isn't real life. It maybe but, lets um, it down a little bit. I mean, it's it's, but there is that point. I mean, the difference there is that if we are to believe this kind of paternalistic message that he is taking this mothering role, which is often something that's quite consistent in Amador's films, right? That there's mothering and caring and toxicity that kind of attaches, can attach to that, especially when men are involved. Um, he does talk to um, Alicia's tutor, right, in in the theatre where he kind of bumps into them yeah. because Alicia's tutor knows the whole story. It's implied, um, and she's she kind knows. of a mother in a, in a certain way, isn't she? Exactly. I mean, the question here is: Does Alicia, you know, Alicia doesn't need Marco's care, paternalism? She she never needed more than a nurse, you know. Yeah. Um, and again, it's a tragedy. It's people pouring themselves onto other people who don't fucking need it. Um, but Marco Although does have she's this got a shrink for a dad, so she's probably got some fucking issues. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's there's that issue where yeah. So Marco does talk to. He approaches the tutor, and she said he's you know they said we need to talk. Um, actually, which is a nice callback to the title of the film again, I guess. But there's an implication that they need to they're going to have a, a frank discussion about what happened. Um, but that's never shown, and that's kind of a conversation that happens in in like the extended universe of this film, um, and that that does imply a kind of caring message that like Amadeus is saying that he's 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 going to spill what he knows properly and fully to um, the tutor, the dance teacher, 
Uh, and, mm. it, it, and his motivations aren't spooky, even though they might be. A lot of our kind of leaves are ambiguous, and that's fine, you know. Ambiguous ending, cool. Um, it's I an think ambiguous his motivations film. are totally like he's. It, it's interesting the question of what a motivation is. Like I don't think, like like there's that bit where um, Benigno runs into Alicia just after she's had a shower and she's just a towel around her, and mm. um, and he's like, "Don't worry, I'm harmless," you know. Mm. And it's like he genuinely clearly not. He genuinely believes that he's harmless. Yeah. You know, and in a way, it's like it's just interesting through line from like I'm harmless to like oh they've put me in a prison for people who are mad. Yeah. This is strange. It's kind of like that's quite alarming in a way. That's the thing. He's he's in the sense of narcissism again. Yeah. He's 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 dumb in the literal sense of the word to his own. He can't vocalize or understand his own culpability, and that's not to let him off the hook at all. But you know, he is. Whereas you know, Marco is quite emotionally sensitive. Again, these mirrors of each other. Uh, Benigno really. But that's isn't. how everyone justifies their behavior mm. by having a, a narrative of that of, puts of them care, maybe. Yeah, you know, because he is the caregiver. Be he seems he he believes he's the one doing what um, uh, Alicia needs, and obviously the interesting thing is there is like a void of, of care around her, you know, because we actually don't really see her father ever at her side, and we see the other nurses who kind of allow permit, like you said. Abinigo's eccentricities, which clearly at many points in the film kind of step over the mark. Mm. Um, but they're like, oh, they quickly wash it away. They're like, oh, he's gay. It's fine. Like that would make any any of this okay. Like it's, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, she's surrounded by, I suppose, kind of indifference. Um, you know, I think that itself is interesting. Um, a film that is all, ostensibly all about caring any act of caring um, where in reality there's really not much and maybe Marco's at the end is kind of like the the possibility of care in an ethically sound way I don't know how to care when you don't when there aren't kind of examples of care yeah in the world on that note uh, we, we've hit the buffer time wise yeah but, um, but uh, it's worth it that was intense that was a that. Hell of a rise yeah I yeah. re- highly recommend this film. Um, a difficult watch. Because I, I was, um, you're more a Modavar au fait than I am. I was like, I've seen like half of uh, All About My Mother and I've seen Volva like a long time ago. Um, I'd recommend The Skin I Live In, although it's 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 maybe a bit, it's quite unsettling. More, it's mm. like, I don't know. It's quite like what happens. Yes, what he does though. He's he's an unsettling. Yeah, the director it's, of it's got stuff, it's, like. the skin I live in is similar to talk to her in that way. It's more about revenge. Um, yeah, then there are more playful farces. You know, earlier in his career, he made much more kind of flippant films. I think. Yeah. Maybe flippant's the wrong word, but yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't. Um, really, there's a lot of films by him that I can really take or leave, but. Um, but this yeah, this this surprised me how much I liked it, because um, uh, I was already to kind of eh, you know that's a bit oh to have to do we have to, um, but I'm glad we did it you know. I'm also glad before we sign off, um, our little straw poll that we did. Oh yes, on Twitter, um, poll smoking with Owen Vince. <laughs> <laughs> 
uh, yeah, there's a landslide uh, in favor of a. So we did a, a poll on Twitter asking about people's preferred length, kind of perfect length of a feature film. Um, 90 minutes, 120 minutes, 180 minutes, 200 minutes plus. The vast, overwhelming majority of you want 90 minute films. I'm taking that as 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 absolute, you know. Yeah. As proof. Although I I would say like I would say I'm always happiest when a film is an hour and a half. But my absolute mm. favorite films are usually two and a half hours. Yeah, same. <laughs> it's yeah. I I think there's a sense of like relief when you crack open like a film or movie or whatever. And you glance down bottom right hand corner, oh, and you're like, "Ah, oh, eighty nine minutes, uh, no, eight nine minutes." Like, yeah, fucking yes. Um, but some of the, I think, like I was saying on Twitter as well, like it, when a film is written from the ground up as a long film, and it's so like length is sewn into its fabric, yeah. then it works at longer lengths and durations. But when it's like a, a bloated film of you know. Uh, Take Nymphomaniac, our constant whipping boy. Um, <laughs> you know, a film which kind of does and says nothing and just kind of sprawls and goes on and on and fucking on. Um, yeah, that's a yeah, that's a film that doesn't have length kind of built into it, so it can't yeah. do the miles. It can't do the miles. It's like stumbling over the fucking finish line. It's shitting itself on the final <laughs> hundred yards. Um, um, yeah. What else was I going to say? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's also you know, it's also a question of like time and how we structure our lives and capitalist mm. time. You know, uh, like I I've watched Sit and Tango maybe three or four times. Mm. Uh, not not trying to boast or anything. It's, it's, it's no, seven, <laughs> seven hours. They used to call that a humble brag, didn't they? <laughs> you used to say what? They used to call it a humble brag. A humble brag. Yeah. Watched Sit and Tango a few times. Yeah. Um, uh, it's just yeah. I, I put it on uh, during breakfast each morning. <laughs> Gets me right, you know. And what do you have to do um, with Satan Tango? Because it's seven hours and because it's all kind of set in within... Like, all the action takes place within a week. Yeah. Um, you kind of have to just do it in one day. And you give yourself breaks, obviously, but... Um, no, yeah. no breaks. It requires... Piss yourself I it. where you sit. <laughs> soiling. Constant soiling. <laughs> just, just watch it on the toilet. Um, uh, yeah. Cut yourself some some piles um <laughs> but yeah no i mean like i really enjoy what it did what it, d- it did to my day when i watched say in tango mm. in the day you know like i enjoy yeah. the fact that film really long films can like lav diaz is great for this um can really kind of push you to experience time differently it's a little bit like mm. meditation so yeah, yeah. The- but you wrote about this in your great essay on yeah, the I did lube, briefly. Substack, and even even about a film a filmmaker who doesn't do length, Paradonov, but does what is considered is a similar territory, which is is boredom and, and things that are slow. So slow cinema can be short, you know. Yeah, because it's about the energy of of that film. So you know, Paradonov is even if Color of Pomegranates is sixty-ish minutes, it, it's, it feels a lot longer. Time yeah. is kind of dilated, um, and that's why people often fall asleep during it. I don't fall asleep. Uh, the I've only films, only films I fall asleep during are a picture of Pong Virus Athakal films, and I was much vindicated <laughs> when I learned that he'd done a, an installation at Rostam Film Festival called Sleep, where people were invited to fall asleep in a like a hotel where his films were playing on every screen. Beautiful. That's so. There we go. Yeah. Otherwise, I don't fall asleep during anything ever. Except You've never slept, have you? How is that? 
totally uh, wired would be know. nice totally wired totally <laughs> would be nice <laughs> would be nice to just catch a little one but, day you know it's meant that i've been able to read a lot <laughs> i haven't <laughs> 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 a lot of uh, pornography a lot of pornography and you scrolled uh twitter i've lot. reached the end of twitter you've, you've got, completed i it. got back to 2006 yeah. holy shit what is there like in that great beyond um a groupon voucher groupon voucher and like actual celebrities interacting with like it, it's like people like hugh jackman being like wow hi twitter yeah um, it used to be like that didn't it i've been on yeah. twitter since i was a teenager and it was really it's actually it feels my twitter existence is is now the most similar to how it was when i was a teenager in that i basically just have like up to 10 people who interact with me and who i interact and with. the rest is just yeah same the rest i have a people that, you know, i have an empty follow account um, you know, so do me a favor and just fucking like my tweets, all right? Follower, you have an empty follower account. Well, no, it's just like there's no like my. Like it's weird how over a thousand, yeah. But like the people who actually interact with my stuff is like quite unless I go out and bait people. And I yeah, feel empty. It's like masturbating. People. You just go, go out and don't you just bait really empty. It's, you know, the I world know is violent enough as it is. You know, I know. I can't help it. Well, we'll it. figure out off air um, which film we review next week. Yeah, because we've <laughs> gone it, on for far too long. We right? have. Yeah. But thank you for listening. Talking about uh, length. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, size size isn't important. Um, but quality is... Girth. The girth of the podcast is what matters. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Bye. 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 Bye.